Before we go any further, I need prayer, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you giving thanks, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to come here this morning and worship together. To be able to once again gather around your word, your truth, Lord, and to be reminded of of who you are and what you have done for us. And Lord, then who we have become in you. We pray this morning, just as we continue to go through Colossians, these words from Paul, Lord, that you would make them clear to us, both through my speech, but also in our hearing. Lord, that you would provide us with opportunity in our, in our hearts to be able to receive your word. Lord, let none of this be dry and just something that we acknowledge as truth, but something that we see as our reality the world that we live in. For you are the Lord of heaven and earth. Father, we pray you bless this word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, believers, you have been united to Christ. You are complete because of who he is and what he has done. And in that union, you share in the fullness of the Godhead. So go and live in it. When I was a bachelor, I lived a certain way. I bought certain food that suited me. I had money and I spent it in the ways that I wanted. I freely used my time on sports and hobbies and life. I was one. And I did things alone. When I got married, things changed. I no longer bought food, spent money, or decided what I would do with my time. Instead, we bought food that suited us. We spent money on the things that we agreed upon. And the dispensing of time was discussed. We were now two, and we did things together. Then we had children, and things changed again. And for those of you who have children, you know how that goes. We became five and we lived accordingly. Our lives change when we are bound together with others, don't they? We aren't the same anymore. We don't live in the same way. Our activities change. Our thoughts change. We we find new delights in life that we could actually only ever do together. To live any other way is to deny or to refuse those relationships. If I was to live as a single man when I was married to my wife, I would be saying to her, I really don't want to be a part of this. And it runs against who I have become as a married man. I would be denying myself and her. And we would not be sharing in our relationship. Believers, Paul has made it clear to us already in Colossians that you and I are united to the fullness of the Godhead. We are no longer the same people that we once were. We have new activities, a new way of thinking, new delights that can only be shared in this relationship with him things that we didn't have before. 
As believers, we share in these activities, these thoughts and these pleasures with and of God, the things of heaven. Last week, Grant shared some instructions that have been given to us by Paul. And without going into the detail of Grant's sermon, these are some of the things that were mentioned. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives, being gentle. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Workers, work as though you work unto the Lord. Now, we can hear a list like that and it can be disheartening. A heap of rules. But these aren't a list of rules, are they? These are instructions in how to live in the new life that we have with God. These are the activities that we now get to share in with the Lord. These are godly desires, godly thinking, godly delights. And in doing them, we are not alone, but with him. Paul is instructing us, opening our eyes and making us alert to our new life in God. And we have good news Because this morning we are going to talk about more of these wonderful activities and instructions from Paul that make up the life we get to live with God now. Devote yourself to prayer, being alert and thankful. Is it any surprise that Paul would instruct the church to be devoted in prayer? If we are a people in intimate relationship with God, shouldn't we be in constant communication with him, speaking and sharing with him in the things of our new life together? Can you imagine any good relationship where you don't communicate? Would that work in our marriages or in our friendships, in our workplaces? And how much more intimate is our relationship with God than in these things? How much more profoundly can we share with him than with any other? Many of us pray daily. Even from a young age, we're encouraged to pray thanks for our food, maybe at church, maybe before going to bed. These are good things. But when Paul says that we are to be devoted to prayer, he means so much more than this. What do you think of when you hear someone as being devoted to their work or someone that is devoted to their sport or their spouse or their kids? They are people that are attentive and sacrificial with their time and effort, even when it comes at significant cost to themselves. They see these things that they are devoted to as so much more valuable than even the cost that they may endure. And it sets the tone of their lives. Does it mean anything less for us to be devoted to speaking to the Lord? Paul also says that we are to be alert in our prayer. Like any conversation, things tend to go better when you are paying attention. A few years ago, I was on camp with college I was new, I didn't know anyone, 
So, while going to sleep, I asked one of the guys I was sharing a dorm room with about himself. From my memory of youth camps, nighttime conversations is where bonding happens. Prime time. This guy, Ryan, started sharing and he was three words in and suddenly it was morning. My body had betrayed me and I'd fallen asleep (laughs) while this man shared about his personal life. I couldn't believe that I would be so rude. (laughs) I apologised profusely, but we did not become best friends. (laughs) I don't think Paul is specifically speaking here about falling asleep in our prayer, but I do think it falls within the bracket of what he is talking about. He is encouraging the church to be engaged in their prayer with God watchful and attentive to the Lord and what is being spoken of, not dull, not unattentive, no catchphrases just to tick the box of prayer. In verse 4, sorry, in chapter 4, verse 12 of next week's passage, Epaphras is described as someone that wrestled in his prayer with the Lord on behalf of the church in Colossae. This is a man that has been caught breathing deeply, not from falling asleep or dozing, but from his activity in prayer. More than being awake, I believe Paul is encouraging us to be alert to the desires of God in our prayer. Looking at Paul's requests of the church in Colossae, we can see in him an alertness to the desires of God. Consider where Paul is at at the time of his writing. He is in prison, in Rome. And what is it that he is praying about and seeking prayer for? His release? His freedom? The end to his suffering? None of that. Instead, he prays for an open door to share the mystery of Christ. Even while in prison, he seeks an open door for the word rather than an open door for himself. Paul is alert to the desires of God in his prayer. And he is making the church of Colossae alert to that desire as well. And suddenly we see that our devoted prayers concerning the desires of God almost look like the discussions between a married couple sharing and speaking of the achievement of, not just of God's desires, but now of a shared desire, shared godly desires. Lord, I know you're about your word, the spreading of your name, the glory of the world. Have you considered Rome? Paul is in prison there and desires opportunity. Consider the needs of those who don't know the wonder of your son, the freedom of your cross who know only death. If you desire, give Paul opportunity to share and lend his words clarity. This instruction of Paul to be devoted to prayer is not just something that keeps us busy, but that we would be able to participate in the life we have with God. Share in his desires for this world 
Can you see the intimacy that we have been invited into in having a devoted prayer life? Along with being alert, Paul also says our prayers are to be thankful. Thankfulness is actually a consistent thread that pops up throughout the book of Colossians. And each time it appears, it is as a result of the work of the Lord. Thankfulness is the overflowing result or the overflowing state of the saint and is a result of what the Lord has done. All the things that he has given to the saints. It reveals, our thankfulness reveals our dependent nature, the dependent nature of prayer and the dependent nature of the Christian. It is a sharing that is entirely dependent upon the work of the Lord that we might be thankful. It is a sharing that is entirely dependent on the work of the Lord, sorry. The thankful attitude Paul informs us of is an awareness that every answer to prayer, no matter what it looks like, is a result of his hand at work. Have you ever heard of that parking space joke? A man is looking for a parking space and is absolutely no luck. He drives around and begins to pray desperately to the Lord. Please, God, if you find me a parking spot, I promise I will go to church every Sunday and never touch another drop of alcohol again. A moment later, the man sees a parking spot open up right there at the entrance. He gasps and heads towards it, saying to the Lord, Never mind, I found one. I'm surprised you haven't heard that. What is the real attitude of this man towards God? Do you think he would be described as a man devoted to prayer? A thankful man? I don't think so. For him, God is a lucky charm that doesn't get much credit. God is no last-minute lucky charm, though. But the one who supplies all that we have all the time. If we are alert to the activities and desires of God we will not find ourselves lacking in the department of thankfulness. He supplies all. If we are not alert, but instead drowsy and inattentive in our prayers, this is when our thankfulness begins to dry. And we wonder if he has ever been active or ever will be active. We will dry up in our relationship with him. So believers, be devoted in prayer, being alert and thankful. This is a heavenly work that we do with the Lord. Astoundingly, our prayerful conversation with the Lord is not the only way we share in his desires taking shape in the world. Paul makes it clear in his prayer and in his words concerning the wise conduct and speech that we are people that are also physically used by the Lord to work out his will. We saw this already in Grant's message last week. We share in the heavenly work of loving our spouses. Do you know that that is 
a godly thing to do. We share in the heavenly work of caring for our kids and how we work. But now Paul makes it clear that we are also privileged to share in the Lord's work of making himself known to the world. This is not a role that is independent of God. Paul shows us that in his own ministry, he is dependent upon the Lord for what he needs. It is the Lord that must provide the opportunity. It is the Lord that provides the clarity for his words. And it is Paul that is the one that receives these opportunities and the clarity. Paul makes it clear that while he is totally dependent on God, he has a place in the Lord's will being worked out here and now. The opportunity that the Lord provides and the words being made clear are for Paul to speak and to use. Pray that I may reveal it clearly, as I should. Paul himself is the method by which God will achieve his purpose in that Roman prison. Catherine has been teaching Ella and Constance, our two oldest girls, how to cook. Now, it would be easier, faster, less expensive, uh, cleaner, more trustworthy, many other things, if Catherine just did it herself. But for the sake of their learning, and more importantly for the joy of the kids and their relationship with their mother, she invites them in to do work with her. Just as God invites us to share in his work of spreading and making his name known. It almost seems that in reflection on his prayer request, Paul makes the church in Colossae aware that the role of evangelism is not his alone, but another of the heavenly activities that we share with God. And he continues to instruct us in the way in which we can do this best. He points to two things, actions and speech. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. After having just requested prayer for opportunity to spread the gospel, Paul presses on the church and on us that we should not waste the opportunities that we have been given. We should make the most of the time, or as other translations say, we should redeem the time, buy it back. Two years ago, the kids and I went foraging for mushrooms. Thankfully, it was someone who knew what they were doing. We had to go at the right time of the year, bring the right equipment, pick the right mushrooms. If we do any of these things wrong, we come back with nothing or we end up very ill. There is a season for picking, so make the most of the time that you have and be prepared. Don't miss the invitations to do heavenly work that God offers to you. To share in his divine 
when they are offered. Make the most of them. How do we do that? How do we make the most of the opportunities that we have? How do we prepare to forage for saints? Paul says that our speech should always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that we know how to answer. Our speech should always be ready for the opportunity God gives. Now, salt was used to preserve, but also to flavour food. Nothing has changed. Our speech should be flavoured with the mystery of Christ. Who he is and what he has done, it's exactly what we've been hearing in Colossians. Don't be caught serving out watered-down soup when you could have been prepared with the roast. I'm convinced in reading this that actually Paul's initial instruction to be devoted in prayer, being alert and thankful, is a set-up to be ready with the gospel on our lips. If we have been attentive to God's activity, filled with thankfulness and devoted to these things, we will have Christ in our minds, ready on our tongues to be spoken. It's amazing that the ways of a godly life seem to strengthen one another. Our thankfulness to God will also not allow us to miss these opportunities to speak about him. We will want to do it. We have only to look at our own testimonies to find examples of the gracious speech and saltiness that we ourselves have received in the past. Consider the times when Christ spoke to you on the lips of other people, his people. How was it done? Was it with harshness or gentleness? Patience or impatience? Were you treated like you were an idiot for not believing? Or as someone that was actually desired by God? And what of the speeches of the, the speech of those who taught us most about God? Was it watery? Or rich in flavour of the gospel? Did you receive a hearty meal filled with grace and love and mercy, sharing with you who Jesus was and what he has done? We must make the most of the opportunities that God has placed before us for the sake of those who don't know Christ. Absolutely. For, this, for our own sake, that we can make the most of every chance of sharing in this heavenly work with God, definitely. But also for the sake of the one that we are united with and most thankful to. This thankfulness that is, as we've already said, an overflowing result of the work of God is what drives us to want to share ever more deeply in him. As I said in my last sermon a few weeks ago, we are united to the Godhead and that is mind-boggling. Like a cup of water filled with all the waters of the world, who can comprehend 
the beauty of what we have gained in this relationship, in these instructions this morning. Unending communication with the Lord concerning his plans and desires, sharing with him in his will being made manifest in the world, in making his name known. This is all a piece of the unity that we have with him. And it is mind-boggling. Praise the Lord for his graciousness that we who were once dead now live like this. Let's give thanks in prayer and then in song. Heavenly Father, we give thanks. Lord, how can we do anything other after hearing of the life that we get to live with you, of what you have brought us into? Dear Father, I'm aware that it is not easy to let go of the life that we once lived in death. There are still desires there that hang on to us, even though we are changed. But you and what you have offered us in Christ, Lord, our new life that produces overflowing thankfulness, is so much better. So I pray, Father, that you would help us continue to reveal your gospel to us more deeply, Lord, that we may cast these things off willingly and eagerly to embrace the life that you have given us. We pray over the things that Grant spoke on last week and over these as well, Lord as we fix our eyes on how to live in a way that we can engage more deeply with you, share in being bound to the Godhead. Lord, we pray that you would lend us all the strength that we need. Lord, give us all the desire that we need. And Father, we We'll continue to trust and give thanks in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.